Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. I'd like to minister along the lines of what I call things that produce stability. And stability is a big thing because like we go out of the doors and we are out in the world and stability is something that really helps. Uh, during uh, earlier in the lockdown when, when it was more like unknown what the virus was going to do and we, we were selling homes and we switched out and sold a home and we moved somewhere and I was having to deal with the banks and, and, uh, and the bank I was dealing with, the NAB bank, most of them are down in Melbourne. So I was talking to people working in Melbourne. They were all working out of their homes. And my, you know, you can see the difference. Like when I was around church people that knew God and knew about God and how they just seemed very stable and peaceful. And then I'm talking to somebody that doesn't know God and they were scared and very fearful. I was talking to somebody in the Philippines. Uh, I don't know if it was Origin or who are, I was doing something there. And they were working. And they just... I said, how's, how's everything going over there? And she said, we're afraid. I'm just afraid. We're afraid. We're afraid of this virus, you know. And, and you just see that there's a lot of fear out there and a lot of things that people deal with. But Christians that know God and the character of God in his word, we can be stable. It brings great stability to, to have that. So we're going to be looking at different things that can produce stability. So, you know, like growing up, I know that I've experienced it, and many here that uh, my age and even uh, different ages, you've experienced uh, hearing things or theories about God from various people. Now, I mean, I didn't grow up as a Christian, but I heard some theories about God in the church that I grew up in, but I heard just as many theories about God. Uh, I, as you know, I worked uh, as a machinist, as a tradie, and I worked in a, in a factory for a while, and I heard opinions about God from various people. So, you know, the thing is, when you hear somebody's theory or opinion about God, it's like, what do you do with that? You know, do you, you know if you don't know if it's true, do you take it and let it form you? Does it form a belief system? And, and, and it's real, this kind of stuff is really big and important because how we see God is a big thing. And some people see God the wrong way. So we're going to look into that today. Good news is my belief system was formed in an incorrect way. But when I became a Christian and started to get into the word of God, God's word and the truth in God's word just blew out. That, it just blew it out of the water, all that garbage about God that wasn't true. And so thank God that his word is so powerful that even if we grow up and hear all these theories and stuff about God that isn't right, once you get into God's word and get the truth, it just blows it out of the water and uh, you're, you're reformed. I was reformed when I got into the word, okay? So here's some of the stuff that I heard growing up and, uh, and some of them were damaging and others brought wondering and doubt and even fear. But I, I heard this kind of stuff that you never know what God's going to do. Now that sounds in a way cool. You never know what God's going to do. But, you know, when people really think this, the, the creator and the God of the universe and you never know what he's going to do, that doesn't really bring stability. Uh, God's ways are mysterious. 
God punished him or her for their sin. God gave them that sickness to teach them something. That is the cross God gave them to carry. God is humbling them and making them suffer. How could God allow this? If there is a God, why is there war, killing, and famine? That happened to them because they're out of God's will. I mean, this is just a, a sampling of the stuff that you hear. You know, and it's amazing, like, unfortunately, when Christians talk that way about other Christians, if, if a Christian's going through something and somebody says that happened to them because they're out of God's will, well, how do you know? Is God talking to you on their behalf? All right. So how we see God, his character, is it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. So here's like an example that I see in the scriptures, like about the Apostle Paul. Now, the Apostle Paul, you know, after he was saved, I'd like to know if anyone here has any scriptures that show that he sinned against God. And if you have a scripture that you can come to me and show me that Paul was sinning or he was out of God's will, please bring that scripture to me after the service because I'd like to add it to my studies because I never found a scripture that says Paul was in sin or he was out of the will of God. Okay, and as a matter of fact, in my opinion, Paul was one of the most used individuals in history. He was used tremendously. I mean, he was the first person that walked on earth that got the revelation knowledge of who we are in Christ, what God did in Christ. He's the first person walking on the earth that got that. That's like huge. So it's, it's, it's like, wow. So God chose him not to only be a pioneer and plant all the planting he did, but he chose him to, to write and be the author of what you, we call the Pauline epistles. You know, the Pauline epistles. That is like amazing revelation there. So then look at this. Look what happened to Paul. 2 Corinthians 11.23. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the cities, danger, anyway, I, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardships, through many and sleepless nights, in, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from the other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. So, did, was Paul out of God's will? You know, was Paul sinning? And, and I don't think he was, okay? So, the biggest enemy of God and the church is the one that was doing this to Paul. We call him the devil, Satan. And if you think about what was going on here, Paul was preaching to people, and what he was preaching to that group of people, it was considered at that time, in that place, hate speech, because they were 
the Jewish people that grew up under the law. And then God sends his son, and Jesus came, and he brought grace and truth, and it was a very different message. So you have the Jewish people, and then Jesus with this totally different message, and we th I think this, it's good news. I don't think it's hate speech at all, but to them, it was bad. And so they were going after Paul and persecuting him for that message. And uh, it's amazing what we consider life and, and we love the word. I, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I love the word of God and it's life to us. But then there can be others that consider what we love and that brings so much life to us, they can consider it hate speech. Somebody after church last week here, right here, told me that they posted a scripture, I think it was Romans 3, 23, and they were informed by Facebook that that was hate speech. So we're kind of going in that way, you know. But just so you know, it started way before Facebook and any of these other ones that start what they're doing. It started way back here with Jesus and Paul. And Jesus himself said, they hated me, and they're going to hate you. He told that to the future. And so I don't know about, I'm not afraid. <laughs> I've, been, I've, I've been a Christian for 42 years. Uh, I've even been a couple times hit physically. And you know what? Uh, Jesus is my Lord. I love God. And it doesn't matter. I'll never change that. I want him. I need him. I'm going to keep pursuing him. I'm going to stay in his word. I love him. Boy, do we need him. So, um, their belief system, that's the Jews back there, along in combination with the devil, that you put those two things together, a wrong belief system and the lies of the devil, and he was able to influence a group of people, and Paul was getting major persecution, those two things together. That, that was what going on there. So here's a thought. If truth sets us free, then untruth places us in bondage. It's real simple. If truth sets us free, then untruth, that places us in bondage. Okay. So the Jews, you know, in the case that we just looked at, they had the law, but Jesus brought a different truth. And so they thought what Jesus brought and Paul was preaching them, that was, they thought that was untruth, but now we know that was the truth. And what they had was outdated truth. You know, because Jesus brought grace and truth. So today, what I would like to speak on, I'd like to focus this down, and I'd like to call it scriptural balance. Scriptural balance. Balance is a big thing, and to be balanced in a scriptural way is really big. So when I was younger, my, uh, I, I must have been under 16 because you're, you're allowed to have a driver's license. At least when I grew up in America, you could get a driver's license when you were 16 years old. So my mother drove me to the doctor, so this must have been pre-16. And the reason she took me, I asked her to take me to the doctor. I was lifting weights, and uh, I was really having a lot of pain in my back, shoulders, really back here. And it was just getting unbearable. So I said, could you take me to the doctor? So she did. And I, I went for a few visits, and they took x-rays. They did all this stuff. And then I went in for, to hear what they had to say. And the doctor says, uh, you, uh, you do a lot of chest exercise, you know? And I, I, I said, yeah, I do. He goes, and you do, what do you do for your back? And I go, 
hardly anything. It's like it's boring to do the back. Maybe one reason was because I could see the results in my chest because like, you know, it was like growing way back then. But I wasn't doing anything for the back. He goes, here's your problem. He said, your chest is really developing and the muscles are they're pulling everything forward like that. And he said, what you got going on there is you're, you're out of balance. You're not doing anything for your back and those muscles aren't pulling back or any, these muscles are pulling forward, but there's nothing there. He said, you're going to have to be balanced and work out both the front and the back. And so I had to make that adjustment, and, uh, and it did work. It, eventually, I wasn't in that kind of pain. So w we could say that, uh, you know, balance is a big thing. So it brings great stability when our understanding of God's character and his ways are biblically balanced. You know, just let that sink in. But it brings great stability when our understanding of God's character God's character and his ways. God's character and his ways. You know, God gets accused for a lot of things here on the earth. It, it, to me, it's a really big thing to understand his character and his ways. Um, I just, you know, my prayer is that I don't ever want to accuse God of something that he's not done. Now, I, and, and you know my story that when I was like, 23 that my 21 year old brother drowned so I know that like a lot of you guys heard that story uh, but what was really difficult for me in all of that is like when my brother and I and you probably heard me say this before he was getting suicidal because he's 21 years old he can't drive and you could get your license at 16 in there and so it's like five years without a driver's license he what he couldn't ride a bicycle because if he had a seat the grandma epilepsy you never know when it's going to come it just hits you and you'll have a seizure. So he couldn't ride a bicycle. He couldn't go swimming. And we made sure we watched him. But the one time that he left and went to somebody else's house, and they had a big pond in their backyard, like a lake kind of, that's where he had a seizure and went into the water. We weren't there the one time. So he, um, but before that happened, he was getting kind of suicidal. So my mother took him to the priest thinking maybe he could get some encouragement. And the advice that he got from the priest, the priest said this, he said, you're special, and because you're special, God trusts you, and he gave you this epilepsy. It's the cross God gave you to carry, this epilepsy. And that was the advice he got. Well, that didn't bring any encouragement, so she just brought my brother back home from there, and he was just as depressed. And, and at that time, we still weren't Christians, so then, you know, he ended up drowning. Uh, now, here's a story that, uh, and I know I've, I probably haven't said this as many times as, as the other ones, but somebody led my brother to the Lord just like, uh, and I don't remember if I said that and when I said that last. There were two girls that I went to school with, Italian girls, Italian-Americans like me. They got saved, and they were at that party. They led my brother and prayed with him, and he received Jesus one hour before he drowned. So my brother's up in heaven. He's probably looking down at me saying, I'm going to slap you when you get up here. But <laughs> so, you know, I just wanted to say that to encourage you because you might think some of your relatives and your families in hell, but you don't know what God did right before they, you don't know. That's how good God is. You know, that blood was really precious. And he's, God doesn't let that precious blood go to waste. He sent two girls to tell my brother about him one hour. And I know we could say, well, why didn't God just heal him? 
I don't get into that. It's, t it's overanalyzation. I just know my brother got saved, and I'm not going to try to figure everything out. So um, what we believe about the nature, character of God is of utmost importance. We are either growing in freedom or we are held captive by lies about God. And I don't know about you, I don't want to be held captive by lies. Okay. So we just want to look at some scripture here and unpack a certain portion of scripture that some people uh, hear things, and, and even in this portion of scripture, people uh, talk about God and his character in a way that uh, want to make sure that we know what this is saying. So like starting in 2 Corinthians 12, 3, it says, and I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. So many believe, including I believe this view is mine, that this is Paul, the apostle, talking about himself. He is that man that he's talking about. And he heard, think, heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it so that no one may think of me more than he sees me in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, that's in Christ's revelations that he got, a thorn was given to me uh, in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So we're going to unpack that today and look into it closer. So question, uh, here's a question. What was the reason for Paul's thorn? And I think it's a really simple answer. He received too much revelation. And so that thorn was given to him because of that revelation. And that brings us to these five things we want to look at. And we're going to look into them today. We have a limited amount of time. But the first one is, was God against him being exalted? Was God against him receiving too much revelation knowledge? Did God send the thorn to humble him? Was Paul's thorn sickness? How can understanding this portion of scripture help me today? So we're just, that's the last thing we'll look at. We're just going to look into that. So let's start with the first one and look into it. What, was God against him, or even us, would he be against us for being exalted? Like, what's God's view on exaltation and being exalted? So the Bible mentions two kinds of exaltation. The first one is man exalting himself, and the second one is God exalting man. God is displeased with the first one when man exalts himself, uh, but he's very pleased with the second one because he does that. But the devil now, he's displeased with that first one. As a matter of fact, the devil hates it when God exalts somebody, but he really likes that first one when we would exalt ourselves. Okay. So look at some scripture. 
Matthew 23, 12. It says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So if we're, at, we're answering the question, is God against exalting somebody? And, and I, I mean, that scripture says God, God exalts people that humble themselves. So God is not against exalting somebody, okay? And then in Luke 19 and verse 17, it says, and he said to him, well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over 10 cities. So here again, this, this tells us if we're faithful in small things, and this is uh, when Jesus comes back for the church, he's talking about the future here, and the people that serve here and are faithful, they're going to get more responsibility when he comes back. That's what he's talking about. But he said, if you've been faithful in a very little. So here's a, even a thought here. There are some that, and here's another thing that I didn't add this in, in the original statements, but have you ever heard people say that God is in control of everything? Have you ever heard anyone say God is in control of everything? But you probably, and, and, and there's a reason why I don't say that, there's, uh, God is in control of many things, but I can't say God is in control of everything. Because when you're driving down the street at 150 kilometers uh, an hour and the speed limit's 90, is God making you do that? Is he in control of somebody breaking the speed limit? Is, you know, so God can't be in control of everything because if he was, everyone would be perfect angels on the earth. Everyone would be doing everything just right if God was in control of everything. So there wouldn't be any wars. So I can't say that God is in control of everything because he's in control of many things, but he isn't in control of everything. And then, and along with that, some people imply that God, that we're just puppets and God is manipulating us in controlling our wills. But if he was, then why does it say here, if God was really controlling us in every area, why does it say, because you have been faithful in very little? It, because that kind of looks like that it's our choice to be faithful. And so if God was really in control of everything and manipulating us, then we would all be doing it and we would have no choice. And we would have no choice. He could say, empty your bank account out. He can just do about anything he wanted to do and make us do it. And I don't think God's doing that. And so you understand that like the character of God, the intents of God, what's, what are God's intentions? Th those kind of things, it's really, in my view, really important to see what the Bible says. Because it's really, for me, important to know like what am I responsible for and what is God responsible for? And to know the different responsibilities. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6, it says, humble yourself. Well, that kind of implies that God, you know, is giving us the opportunity to humble ourselves because if you get into pride, he's going to have to come around and humble you. So he's given us the first opportunity. He says, you humble yourself. And if you humble yourself under the mighty hand, then I, you're, you're positioning yourself so I can exalt you, which God isn't, he's not against exalting us. God is not against exalting us. He's actually for it. Hallelujah. But conditions do apply. And that's what we see there. Here's a second question. Was God against him receiving too much revelation knowledge? Was God against that? Well, we already looked at this a few weeks ago when I was speaking in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 17 and 18. That's a prayer 
And he said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I mean, God has instructed us to pray and ask for revelation knowledge and wisdom. So I don't, I don't, why would he tell us to pray for something if he's against us having it? I don't think he would do that. He's a good time manager. I mean, he is, the, you know, we, we, we talk about leadership and time management and how to discipline yourself and all those kind of things and use your, God is the best. He was, he's, he's the author of all of that. He's the author of leadership. He's the author of time. He's the author of time management. He's the best. Why would he use our time and tell us to pray for something if he really doesn't want us to have it? And then look at verse 18. He says, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know. And it's important for us to know that God wants us to know. He wants to give us stuff. He wants to give us revelation knowledge. Okay, third question. Did God send the thorn to humble him? And this is a really easy one to answer because we just go back to verse 7, and it, it says, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me to keep me from becoming conceited. So first of all, if we just took the scripture without anything else, it says a messenger of Satan. So it isn't God that did this to Paul. It was the devil. Okay, so this is uh, so clear, but let's just say a few more things. God has messengers, and so does the devil, Satan. God's messengers can be angels, and then they can be people anointed by him. All right? The devil's messengers can be evil spirits and people anointed by the devil. So if the devil is against God's people and he's against God's, God, the devil's against God and his people, then he would be against God-exalting people. Is it safe to say that? The devil doesn't like when God exalts somebody. Not only that, look at Mark chapter 4 and verse 15. It says, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown, God's word, and when they hear Satan immediately comes to take away the word that was sown in them. So the devil is against people being exalted, but he's also against God's word. He wants to take the word that was sown. And so I've heard testimonies where uh, people are in church and there's a nice teaching on, on love, loving one another, revelation knowledge that came from the pulpit about love and walking in love. And then husband and wife go out to their car and on the way home, they get in one of the worst and biggest arguments that they've had in a long time. Well, that's a good way to get the seed out of there. But, you know, because like when you get that revelation knowledge about love and walking in love, that can be a real help. But the devil comes to take the word, you know. So that's what, that, that's what he wants to do. So um, I think it would be safe to say then that God didn't send the thorn. The devil did. And, and so then that brings us to was Paul's thorn sickness. What was that thorn? So going back to that scripture, you know, it talks about a thorn that was given. And so the first thing we want to look at is that word messenger. And that word messenger, of course, the Bible in the New Testament was written in Greek. So it is a Greek word, angelus. But that word was used 181 times in the New Testament. And it was translated angel every time. 
except in seven places. In the other places, the seven places, it was translated as the word messenger. So mainly that word is like an angel, like God uses angels, he sends them. But you know, like in this case, it can be good or bad. So it was like a messenger, it was an angel of Satan. That's what that is. And then the next thing is like that word harass. Now that word in the King James is the word buffet. But also that's a Greek word, of course. And that word, the definition is to rap with the fist, to strike with hands. That's the definition. So if we put those two things together, there was an angel of the devil that was sent to influence people that they would beat and persecute Paul. And why? Because he's carrying revelation knowledge and he's preaching revelation knowledge. And so that was what that thorn in the flesh was. Now, if you go back to the, you know, the Old Testament in Numbers chapter 33 and verse 55, you can even get an idea looking back there, kind of uh, like doing a Bible school kind of thing today with some teaching. Trust, uh, it's okay for Sunday morning church once in a while to get deeper in. You know, but in, in Numbers 33 and verse 55, it says, but if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land before you, then, so notice it's talking about people. And inhabitants. Then though, those of them whom you let remain, these are people, shall be as barbs in your eyes and thorns in your sides. So when you go back to the Old Testament, when you think about a thorn, it's talking about an individual or a group of people. That's back in the Old Testament. And then in Joshua 23 and verse 13, it says, Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations, people, before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes. So that, that's thorns in your eyes, but it's people. Notice it's people it's talking about. So when we say, well, you know, what was that thorn? It was a, it was a group of people. people. Everywhere that Paul went, there was, somebody once said, everywhere he went, there was a revival, and there was, what's the word, uh, uh, I forgot the other word, revival and persecution. There's, there's another, I think it was two R words, revival and something, and I forget. But everywhere he went, and everywhere he preached, there was persecution awaiting on him. You know, when he was with the Greeks, he did a lot of debating. Just debates with the Greeks. But there were, it was revival. Well, I said revival, but anyway, so. Second service, I'm getting tired. But, um. <laughs> But everywhere he went, there was revival and there was persecution. And why is it? Because he was preaching revelation knowledge and the devil's against that. All right. So let's go back now and let's look at this scripture one more time in the, in the Weymouth translation. The same scripture. I like this one the way it says it. And judging by the stupendous grandeur of the revelations, therefore, lest I should be over elated, there has been sent to me, like the agony of impalment, Satan's angel dealing blow after blow, lest I should be over-elated. So when we see what that's talking about, it's talking about people persecuting Paul because he's carrying and preaching the gospel. All right, let's look at the final thing now. How can understanding this portion of scripture help me? And I think it's really important for us to understand it because we can come up with some really wrong concepts about this if we don't understand it. 
and it can put us into bondage instead of setting us free. So look at this in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 8. It says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about that, this, that it should not leave me. Now, when we look at that scripture, we have to first of all look at it in context. Because, I, you know, what happens is, if you have sickness or pain in your body and you pray, and it doesn't leave, and it amazes me that somehow some people get back to that. And then they think, well, I prayed a few times about this and it hasn't left. Maybe that's that, you know. But let's put this back into context. This is in the context of Paul preaching the gospel and being persecuted for the gospel. That's the first thing. Secondly, he said, I prayed, but that, that we have to remind ourselves now, the scripture was really clear. When Jesus walked on the earth, he said, they hated me and they're going to hate you. He said that. And he said, we're going to be like sheep among wolves. And so the Bible has so much to say about, the, you know, the early church was getting persecuted greatly. So if God himself and Jesus himself, in a sense, prophesied Christians and those that preach the gospel are going to be persecuted, then Paul's saying, take the thorn away. And it's like, how's he going to take something away that he already said, you're preaching the gospel, Paul. Unfortunately, this is part of your territory. Now, that's why we thank God for these kind of nations, because the persecution is only verbal, and it's very minimum in these nations that have freedom. And that's why, that's why Christians so much want these, these nations to stay the way they are, because we have no idea what goes on outside of these kind of nations unless we go. We went to Indonesia when we first moved here. We went to go speak in the Bible school over there, the Rama Bible School, and the director of that Bible school, he used to be on our staff when we were in Singapore, and we prayed him out, and he went to Indonesia. So he's a good friend, uh, Indonesian guy, and, and so he told us a story when we got there. He said, now, we're in Jakarta, he said, but out in the villages far away from the big city, four young Christian girls walked out of church. Now, this is like 16, 17 years ago. He said, this doesn't get in the news. Four guys with swords, when they walked out of church, they just beheaded them. One girl got away. They just got her here, and she ran into the woods, and she escaped. No one would have ever heard about that if it wasn't for that one girl that got away. So that's why we, that's why we have such a heart for these nations, I mean, I don't know about you, but isn't it nice to be in a nation that you can teach and preach God's word? Um, and that's why we pray for Australia. So, um, getting back to this, you have to look at the context. So, Jesus himself said, you're going to get persecuted. So, he was asking the Lord to take the thorn away, and the thorn was persecution. And so, then that's when the Lord said this. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that, and I mean, like, thank you back there. Somebody capitalized that, because I forgot to do it in the first, but so that, that's the big so that, um, the power of Christ may rest upon you. I love that, because when, when the power of Christ comes upon us, man, there's like change. So think about Paul the Apostle. I mean, amazing. 
I Googled once and I read up about what a stoning was like. What's it like to get stoned? Man, it's brutal. It's not pebbles. It's not these little stones in a fish tank. We're talking about some big rocks. We're talking about getting hit in the face with stuff that just rips your skin, man, that breaks your bones. Paul was stoned and left for dead. The guy got up and walked to the next city and preached the gospel. Whoa. We're talking about a supernatural life with supernatural God and power. And look at this. My grace is sufficient for you. So the Lord's saying, you know, you got my grace. And, and he said, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Man, like I think Paul was left for dead after getting stoned. But the power, he said, he said, I would rather boast. Now, the key word here is boast because, you know, that word boast. Now, I grew up in the States, as you all can tell. And, you know, our English, I, sometimes after being here and listening to people from England, I think our English is a little simpler. And sometimes uh, we don't understand some of the words that came from the, the home, motherland of England with English. You know, but the word in the King James, it says, I would rather glory, I think. And, and this here says, I'd rather boast. So for little old American, I would think, uh, you know, glory in it means like, oh, I'm glorying in this. I'm, 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 it's like, you know, it just really, I don't understand that. But when I look into the Greek word, which is this word that I can't say here, but, you know, I, I, I said this word in the first service, that's kabucha, and it's, it might be the ginger strawberry one. But, no, I don't know what that is, but the definition of that word boast, it's to glory, boast, to rejoice, exalt, brag. So that really changes the whole thing here. Like he's, he's talking about power. So if you're, if you're like, boasting, thinking, or, or glorying, and I'm just glorying in this persecution, I'm just glorying, that's not going to bring any power down. But when you rejoice in it, that's a whole different story. And so this is what, what can I learn from this? What can we learn as Christians from this? So um, he's, he says, if you glory or rejoice in these, so even though this is persecution, we can, we can do the same thing. Any situation we're in, pain, sickness, anything like that, uh, we can rejoice in that. So the Lord gave it to me this way, and it's so that the power would come on us. When the power came on Paul, as I said, the guy walked up after he was stoned and went to the next city and preached. That's some major power in operation there. Mega grace coming on him. So we could say it this way, grace strengthens us in, delivers us from, helps us through, and makes us strong in all of our circumstances. And the last scripture, and I'm going to invite the worship team up here because we're going to like do some rejoicing. But the last scripture that we want to look at, look at Paul in 2 Timothy 4, 17. It says, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. Remember how he's persecuted? So that through me, the message, and that's why the persecution came, that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it so I was rescued from, my, from the lion's mouth. So we know that he dealt with stuff in Rome. I think the whole thing about the lion's mouth is a separate issue. You know, because they like to put people in stadiums over there and put lions in there. I don't know really all of it. But, but, but he was able to stand 
and fully proclaim. And he said then, look at how positive he is. He said, the Lord will rescue me from every evil. After all he went through, he's talking that way. Man, he just couldn't be deflated. He was so full of God, he couldn't be deflated. It's like to get so full of God and his word that you can't get deflated. Man. He says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Just like sitting in your seats right now, you can stay seated. I just thought we could just like practice this because what are you in? You know, what, is there anything that you're in? You got any pain in your body? You got any sickness? Are, are you being persecuted? You know, are you in a financial need? You know, the best thing to do in anything is to rejoice. And you know, you can actually sing your prom promises. You can sing the promises of God. And so like even, even like as an example, you know, I'll just give an example. Let me get the key there. Hallelujah. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I rejoice because Jesus took my sickness on his body. So I rejoice by his stripes I'm healed. I give praise and honor and glory to you, Lord God, because I'm healed by your stripes. I rejoice, I rejoice because Jesus, you're my healer. my cares because you care for me so I give you that care I give it to you Lord and I release it and I trust you with that care and I will not carry it for you care for me and I know that you'll fix it you'll work on it you'll cause it to turn around I rejoice and I thank you Lord that you're you're taking care of that I will not carry it any longer I give it to you it's just you know you can do this with every area just rejoice hallelujah if you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.